sleeper must awake. While preparing for uh, today's episode, I was thinking maybe I should have like a uh, kind of a fake campfire <laughs> in front of me <laughs> for this interview. Because if you know today's guest, you know that he's an amazing storyteller, very uh, captivating. <laughs> and um, yeah, I probably should have uh, had this uh, little campfire because my light uh, died slowly during the interview, so I was just more and more in the dark, uh, which you won't mind if you're uh, listening to this uh, on audio. <laughs> um, but yeah, so today's guest, Mike Cleland, aka Owlman. Dude, I wish I had a, a cool nickname like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I don't have a cool nickname, but my name is Dominique Valley. I'm the host of this um, Hopscotch Chronicles podcast. This is episode 10 with the owl man himself. So it was cool having him on because and I, I, I knew it would be cool. Um, I'm new at this, but apparently I have a, a great nose <laughs> for uh, finding great guests. Um, and Because I approached Mike, because although he has all those, those wild stories and they can be very entertaining, and, and I think a lot of people uh, listen, uh, listen to him because of that. And I know, like, for sure, like, I'm entertained by his stories, too. Uh, but to me, it's more than that. And although Mike doesn't consider himself a mystic, which he'll say in uh, in the interview, um, I would respectfully disagree with him. <laughs> although, yeah, I mean, it's a word, and we all have our. Um, definitions for them uh, but he used the term seeker and that's what to me what transpires the most out of uh, his work the way that he speaks about all uh, yeah the 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 accounts and the experiences that he's gathered over the years and his mostly his own also his own experiences the way he speaks about them, for sure, this guy's in it for real. I mean, in the sense that um, through those experiences, he's exploring and questioning the nature of this reality, which to me is um, a very important part of the, the mystic's path, you know. So I knew that I wouldn't just be um, speaking with someone who would, uh, you know, tell us uh, interesting campfire stories, but would go, uh, but who, it would be possible to go a bit deeper than that. And this is what happened, and it was such 
a cool chat for me. Longest episode yet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't even need all the uh, dozens of questions that I had prepared. It was uh, just a natural flow, natural discussion. And I hope you, uh, you will enjoy it as much as I did. So, um, let me read uh, the little bio that I prepared for Mike, uh, hoping that it will uh, represent him accurately. So, although Mike Cleland is an expert in skiing, climbing, mountain travel, and ultralight backpacking, as well as being a talented professional illustrator, today we're, th we're talking to the author the researcher, and more specifically, the seeker. Among the many books he's written, his 2015 effort called The Messengers, in which the mysterious connection between owls, synchronicities, and UFO abductions is explored, has been met with high praise. To this day, Mike has collected thousands of accounts of people's anom anomalous events, as well as sharing his own transformative experiences, and for many years now has been recognized as an expert in this field. More recently, Mike Cleland has published a first fiction novel, a paranormal thriller titled The Unseen, which has already gathered a large amount of great reviews. Although he's lived for many years in the Rockies, Mike joins us today from his home in Seattle. There you go. I hope that was good. All right, so I won't be long today. <laughs> I'm at six minutes. That's good. So yeah, um, I won't bug you too much with the Patreon because I realize now how many people have them. So if you like the show and you want to encourage it, encourage me doing the show, just go on patreon.com slash Dominique Valley. Um, I try to put as much as I can on there. Um, so yeah, for like exclusive uh, material for Patreons. And you also, oh yeah, you get the shows in there like almost as soon as uh, the interview is done, you get a raw, unedited uh, version of the show almost immediately. So sometimes you'll get them uh, way before they come out uh, in their official version. So yeah, patreon.com slash Dominic Valley. Uh, you can uh, check out uh, check me out on Twitter, check me out on Instagram, uh, and um, yeah, like the video if you like it, click that little thing, it's free and it helps a lot, and uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, we're at 61 subscribers now, which seems like very little, but uh, I think like we've been like, like, uh, it's it's quintupled over the last few weeks so uh i'm happy with 61 but i'm would be more happy with a lot more uh, so yeah subscribe and comment also comment um your impressions whether positive or negative and i will read and reply 
so yeah let's get on with it uh let's get on let's proceed <laughs> when with the interview who 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 <laughs> Hello, Mike Cleland. <laughs> I'm so happy to uh, to talk with you today. Uh, as uh, I was uh, telling you before uh, we started recording, uh, for me this uh, this podcast and all the people I'm approaching to have them on, uh, for me they're all most of them are kind of like little superstars for me because I've 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 listened to you for so long. And uh, there's, it's always a bit surreal to 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 speak with people that you've that haven't talked back, you know, for so mm -hmm. many years. So um, thank you for being here. It's my honor. It's my honor. And just so you know, I, I we talked a little bit before the show started, but I uh, I had my own podcast. I started in 2009, which is good God, 15 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason I started it is because I I wanted to talk to people in the field. And I didn't feel like I could just call up Richard Dolan or Whitley Strieber or these, <laughs> you know, Brad Steiger, these characters that I looked up to. And I, so I said, oh, would you be in my podcast? And they all said, yes. Mm -hmm. So it was great. And it was totally normal. And they were, they were great guests and the shows turned out great. So, um, and, but yeah, so I recognize that completely. Like the, the, having the, how to say it, like the democratization, like it's a, like of the, of this kind of communication where mm -hmm. before you would have had to like, you know, work at a radio station and be a DJ or, a, or you work at a TV station. And so you would, have, and there, you would have been in a room with, you know, $200,000 worth of gear. And now mm -hmm. it can all be done for, you know, just plugging into the, your laptop really. Yeah. So, yeah, so exactly. it's, so we're an amazing I mean... chapter of history. Oh, and I do not think of myself as a mystic. Um, I do think of myself as a seeker. I feel like I'm, I'm like, I'm seeking rather than I'm seeking. And then I just, and then it, it, uh, I have enjoyed being the center point of these owl stories, like not the center point, but people are sending me these owl stories. I'm receiving these owl stories and it has been a remarkable experience doing that mm -hmm. and then and it wouldn't do anyone any good if i just put all these stories away in a file cabinet so that's the reason i i'm open and talking about them because i realize there's a there's a there's a powerful deeper story embedded within those owl stories i don't know if people know who i am on your site but uh, but probably not well i mean probably not i don't know who my no i actually i'm gonna re reverse i'm gonna i'm gonna say uh, since I'm not known yet, <laughs> most people are going to come to hear you. So uh, that's why I, I was wondering, um, you know, like, should I ask him to say who he is and what got him into the the field and the, um, uh, what was her name? Kristen story? Kristen, Kristen, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I mean, but you've told it so many times. So and uh, it's all out there. Like, it's super easy to find. So I thought, like, maybe just, yeah, tell people about uh, your work, the kind of work that you do, maybe. And, you know, I didn't want to control it too much and maybe let you oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, say what you you feel is uh, most important about the kind of work you do. And, uh, yeah. 
so it's 2024 right now. Yikes. And um, I had a lifetime of odd experiences. And then the owl experiences started in 2006. And that would be the story with Kristen, which is a story I've told a million times. I don't need to tell it again. It's easy to find out there. It's the first opening mm -hmm. chapter of the, the of a two books. Actually, I wrote two books and I had to tell that same story twice because it to really understand completely, it's, it helps, it's helpful to know that one, but it's pretty easy to find. So I had a bunch of owl experiences. I started a blog. I started a podcast. And because of these powerful owl experiences, it was, we just saw owls in the woods. Three owls. It was a lot of owls. It was a magical experience. It happened twice. And it really shook both of us. Shook me more than her. She's She said, like, you know, you really went kind of nuts on this. And I was like, oh, I know I did. <laughs> and... um but I managed to write about it on the blog. I didn't, when I started the blog, I was just going to be about synchronicities, like the synchronistic experiences of, like, I have a lot of synchronicities. So, uh, and synchronicities are a nice blog post, right? They're short. They got a little punchline. They're kind of, they're like telling a little short dream in a way. So, mm -hmm. um, and that if the podcast, or excuse me, the blog, which started in 2009, very quickly turned into UFO stories and owl stories. And then, and then I started collecting, I started asking people, hey, if you have a UFO, excuse me, if you have a, any interesting owl stories, I want to hear them. And it was mostly in conjunction with UFOs, especially at the beginning. Ooh, the sun just came out. That doesn't happen. This is, I'm in Seattle. That doesn't happen very often. So, um, <laughs> I uh, very quickly started collecting people's owl stories. And then I started realizing like, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a kind of a, a mood and a vibe to these stories. And, mm -hmm. and so the number is the, like, it'd be, people say, well, how many owl stories do you have? And I'm like, oh, geez, Louise, like, you know, many, many thousands and it's mm -hmm. tough because some of them are just people will say, hey, I saw a pretty owl in the back fence and it was really a nice experience. And like, well, that's all nice. That doesn't count. But uh, so I, I have been collecting what amount to mystical experiences with owls. Or let's say that the term I, I feel is better is highly charged human event. Yeah. So they, they, they connect to a highly charged human event. And, and mm -hmm. it is, started with UFOs. And then, it, then all of a sudden these other things came in. I should do this off the top of my head. Meditation psychedelics particularly mushrooms i got some other examples but they're mostly mushrooms um shamanic initiation people who go through the shamanic initiation process see owls owls and death mm -hmm. people see owls i got a beautiful letter just a couple days ago about someone mm -hmm. who who had a powerful experience after her husband died and and what I'm finding is here, I'll, I'll just, the owls and death thing, this is important. What I'm, in the folklore, the folklore is, if you hear an owl hooting, it means someone died, right? That does, like, owls hoot all the time, and it, so it's, that's a tough one. But like, if an owl comes to your house and has an ominous hooting, it's like, oh, who died? And that's, that's right in Shakespeare, that's right in, like, oftentimes in movies. I catch it all the time, like, just before the phone rings, before someone gets the news of an, there'll be a hooting of an owl, uh, or before someone dies. It's right there, which is, which is, oh, wow, it did get bright in here, um, which is right out of, um, 
the ancient folklore transposed to modern cinema. Mm -hmm. And uh, so those five things, UFOs, death, meditation, psychedelics, and shamanic initiation, those five things, there's some outlying stuff, but there's not enough to really call it a pattern. So what I've, I'm at the point now where I do not connect owls to UFOs necessarily. I connect mm. owls to the highly charged human experience of which seeing a UFO or having direct UFO contact certainly qualifies as a highly charged human experience. So it's not that the owls are connected to UFOs. It's more that the owls are connected to these highly charged events in people's lives. So what's been happening is I get, a, I get these letters, I archive them. I try to keep a log of how the dates and files and oh my gosh, it's an uphill battle. I feel like I'm walking uphill in sand sometime. I'm getting many, 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 many more letters than I can keep up with. And then what happened is I got them right on the desk here. So at the, uh, oops, I don't have all of them. Um, I, uh, in 2015, I published a book called the messengers. A lot of that was straight out of my blog. Like I had been writing articles in my blog. So I had a good amount of stuff ready to go. And then that book made kind of a splash in a way where it was kind of a, it was kind of a interesting take on the UFO issue, framing it all as mm -hmm. owls. Now I didn't invent the issue with owls. Lots of other UFO researchers certainly recognize the pattern. And there's in a lot of UFO books, there's a few sentences, maybe a paragraph about owls. And, um, but I, I'm, I'm the one who wrote a 400 page book on the owl and UFO thing footnoting a lot of those books that had already mentioned them. And, uh, and that turned into a second book and then a third book. And then I wrote a fiction book. So there's like four big fat books on that. You, that are like, like you stack them all up. I mean, this is close. This is kind of thing. Like you stack them all up. That's all. That's like, all, there's two of the same book, but that's about the, that's, that would be about the thickness yeah. of them. So people say like, <laughs> after I did the three books, people would say, Hey, you can write another book about owls. And I'm like, Nope. Like, like if I didn't, if I couldn't say it in a thousand pages, uh -huh. like, like it's not going to do anyone any good to write another 300 pages, basically saying the same mm -hmm. thing I said the first thousand pages. So, but I did put a fic, I put a, wrote a fiction book and there's plenty of owls in the fiction book. So, and that was a really fun exercise to, to kind of look at it through a different lens like that. So mm -hmm. as far as what I'm doing, I now here, this is, this is so that, UFO subject. If so, if not if no one knows anything about the UFO subject, you know enough that there's like government conspiracies, and then there's like Air Force files, and then there's the pop culture stuff with the X Files, and then there's the people who think they 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 have been touched by, you know, their space angels from the Pleiades and are now channeling eternal mm -hmm. goodliness. They make a pretty good case of it at times, and then there's people who feel like they're like they're they're like being abducted by demonic sinister aliens and then their 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 life is a mess and so that's part of it too i don't want to so mm -hmm. there's like these com conflicting contrasting things so it's this huge continuum of stuff but i'm not looking at that i'm looking at this one little teeny narrow thread which is the ufo issue the majority of my stuff is still owls and ufo but i'm mm -hmm. but i'm really happy when i get a letter that doesn't have anything to do with the ufo stuff so um and, and so I'm pulling on that one little thread of just owls. And what mm -hmm. I'm finding is so rich and so rewarding. And people ask me all the time, are owls good or bad? I'm like, well, 
like that's a tough one to answer. Like I could make a case. I could take the available data and say owls are benevolent and wonderful and they and they represent the 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 goodness of the UFO occupant. In order to do that, I would have to willfully ignore huge amounts of data. Mm-hmm. So so if you look at it all, what I can say is woven within it there is a hopeful that's the best word I can come up with, a hopeful aspect woven into the owl thing. People who have owl experiences are often confronted with a challenge. Like coming forward or coming to terms with their UFO experience is a challenge. So that shows up. The challenge shows up. And then there was one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, and I've talked to other researchers about this because I I was at a UFO conference and it's very common. I notice a pattern. People say, oh, I had this. You're like real simple. Walking through the woods, there's an owl on a tree. I look up at the owl, like, what a pretty owl. How weird that I saw an owl so close. The owl flies off. Moments later, a flying saucer goes right over there. Like a classic, shiny flying saucer goes right over their head. So Mm -hmm. UFO, owl, co-joined in one event. Um, That is very common. And then you talk to these people, and they're like, oh, what's going on? You're like, oh, this and that. And then they're like, oh, I had a spiritual awakening. And you're like, great. So you write that down in your little notes and then you'd write that down a hundred times and you kind of realize, oh, there's something going on. And I, I was at a conference and I had a slide that said spiritual awakening, big fat letters, spiritual awakening. I was going to click the button and the slide was going to say spiritual awakening. I was going to say, I have noticed a pattern in the people like who contact me with their all experiences. They claim to have had spiritual awakening. Like I can't, like, mm-hmm. how do you quantify that? Like they are telling me that I got to trust them like a reporter rather than like a, like I'm not a scientist. Yeah. Like so I'm just I'm just anecdotally reporting this stuff. Now, if so that I was at a conference and I had my laptop and I had one slide that said spiritual awakening. I had this moment of insecurity. I'm like, oh God, is this right? Do, should I like maybe it's that's a bold thing to say in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. Can I back it up? Can I prove it? And I was literally all I gotta do is just push a button and just delete that one slide. Won't change much yeah. in this the overall talk. And I was just, I was going to say, well, before I'll go on and I'm going to go on this afternoon. And this guy comes up to me and said, Mike, I've been, I'm looking forward to your talk. I'm like, I don't know much about your research, but I, I saw an owl and a UFO together. Oh, and, and I had a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. This happened like simultaneously with me saying, I, I got to delete this slide. A guy comes up to me and says, introduces himself, owl, UFO, spiritual awakening. And I'm like, okay, you gave me like, I have, I am at, I'm at the point now where, where I trust that exactly that kind of synchronistic confirmation from the universe mm-hmm. to like, no. Okay. And then I just trusted it. And I, I've gotten so good at that, maybe to a fault, but I've gotten really good at that. And so woven within it, synchro or spiritual awakening blends with spirit, you know, I don't know, like it's, that's a loaded term because it's a little fuzzy can mean a lot of things, yeah. but I know what they're implying. And so, mm-hmm. so there is a, there is a spiritual aspect that you would never know if you watched the, the the UFO Congress stuff where the guys are talking in front of, you know, committees and stuff like that. And they're got their military rank on the anyway, you would never know yeah. that there's this aspect to it. And here, I'll just I'll, I'm almost done here. When I talk to people. uh this pop culture thing about the UFO thing, 
right? Is that, mm-hmm. oh, you, you know, beings show up in your bedroom and then they take you out of bed and they take you aboard a flying saucer and they do creepy medical exams on you or they take you off out of your car on a lonely road and, and you're completely overwhelmed with terror and it's this creepy monster movie story. Yeah. I talk to people all the time, all the time. I have heard that that account or something of that flavor, I, zero would be incorrect. But wow, it is it is such a small, I'm going to say less than 1% of the time mm-hmm. I talk with people. Yeah. Has anything to do with that. What it is, it's all of this stuff about, I had the weirdest coincidence. My life feels orchestrated. I met this woman. Mm-hmm. I've been married for 10 years. Here's how we met. It's beyond strange. Like, like, those are the stories I'm hearing. And, and yeah. that's, that's what is being ignored by the mainstream mm. research community. So there. <laughs> well, you've explained very well, um, pretty much the reason why I, I wanted to contact you. Because, uh, again, as we were saying before the show... Um, I'm not really into the, I'm interested in the, the, I've been interested for years. Actually, I'm, I, uh, learned of you through, uh, uh, Richard Dolan. Mm-hmm. Well, not personally, but you know, oh, he's so, been great. Uh, he's yeah. been great for me. Yeah. Rich, Rich was a huge promoter. My book would not have been as popular if it wasn't Richard Dolan tooting my horn for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, I'm from Michigan. I'm too polite to do that myself. So he did it for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, my, he's he's been a very uh, uh, important person uh, through his work in my life too. And uh, the UFO subject, uh, um, I've always been kind of moving along in parallel from it because I di- I never really had uh, a UFO experience. I've had once. Uh, uh, I've sorry, I've had one. Uh, I don't know, maybe five six years ago can't remember exactly but well to prove my point i can't remember exactly it was the most boring like if that was a ufo experience it was really boring and um, what was it oh okay well i've never really well i can tell it i listen to these stories all the time yeah i'm I'm curious now so okay so (laughs) um so i i used to do uh, pottery and um, I, I was uh, alone in the in the pottery studio. It was a really big studio that I, I shared with uh, some people. And there was a very, very, very large window um, on one side of the building. And um, it's I can't believe I'm telling that story. It's <laughs> it's it almost sounds dumb to me. But um, uh, so yeah, as as I told you, I'm living in in Montreal, and I'm pretty much not downtown, but um, a bit more up north. But it's uh, um, close to the mountain. There's a bi- uh, kind of big mountain. <laughs> it's actually pretty small, I think. So, does uh, it have a cross Montreal. on top? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's uh, Mount Royal, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so the the studio had a view of mount royal but it it's pretty far i live close to the mountain but the studio itself like it was pretty small you know like but we could see it very clearly so one night i'm i finish um uh, doing my pottery stuff 
and I'm uh, just putting my clothes on because it's it was winter, so I had a and I was um, um, on the uh, on my bike, uh, not at the moment, but I was using my bike to go back home in the snow. So a lot of um, uh, layers, you know. Mm-hmm. And while I'm putting them on, um, at one point, I see just um, a yeah, um, the classic orange orb, just there, you know. And it's pretty big, and I can I see it's not super close to the building, but it's um, it's very hard to tell how, um, how far it was exactly, but. You know, and I just I stood there, and I'm like, like I I'm into the UFO stuff. I'm very critical, also. So what could it? The first thing I think it is, mm-hmm. what else could it be? It's probably not a UFO. So what else could it be? So I'm thinking, oh, maybe re- uh, light reflections in the window, and uh, so I look, like I open the window, and I I look, and I'm like, no, okay, it's there. It's not a reflection. And it just stays there. It's, I'm telling you, it's really boring. So I look at it for, after I, I figured, you know, like it seems true. I'm just going to look at it. And because for me, it's always the movement. When people mm-hmm. describe crazy, you know, maneuvers, I'm like, oh, that could be it. You know, there was none of that. It was just right there floating there, you know, just completely still, actually. Not Flo- even oh, completely still. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, really, really, yeah, still. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, and I even thought this, if even if I film this, it's going to look like it's not going to be looking. I kind of regret not filming it, at least for myself, but it, for sure it's not going to be convincing to anyone because it's going to look like a little stupid dot in, yeah, the, you know, in the video. Yeah, the so. problems with cell phones, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I, I look at it for about a minute, which seemed like a long time, especially in just staring at a dot. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put on my uh, like a, um, another layer of clothes, and I thought like it's gonna be gone when I, you know, emerge from my sweater, you know. Uh, but it was still there, but it was much further away it was um i saw it uh over the mountain so it was tiny but just in the 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 time that i i put on my sweater you know like it didn't make any sense like nothing uh travels that fast because i kind of did it kind of quickly you know like i wanted to to still see it you know so and same thing like i just stared at it for about a minute and it didn't move and you know i was like okay well if it was a reflection like what moved while i was like it didn't make sense so and then i just left (laughs) i wonder if i'm the first person who just saw a ufo and just thought well okay that's it bye very very common what you're describing is very common People are, two people could be sitting together. One person gets all amped up. One person totally ignores it. The third person doesn't see it at all. They're like, I don't even see what uh-huh. you're talking about. So, so the, your, the human reaction is all over the place. So, okay. And, well, so here's anyways, a question. Oh, yeah, go on. Go is ahead. there more? 
No, no, go, go, go. No, 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 no. I just, I just left and I was like, what, what was that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe that was my UFO stories, you know? Um, I don't know. I have one in my mind that when I was a kid, I think I've seen a UFO and I, I can, I actually see it in my mind, but, um, it doesn't make sense. You know, like I was lying on the grass in front of my in front of the house and it was dark and it was summer. But in, in Montreal, uh, I was in on the south shore of Montreal back then. Um, at eight o'clock, like it's not dark outside in the summer. It The sun comes down at like 10, you know. Mm -hmm. So I and I at the age that I was, I was about I don't know seven or eight. I was in bed by ten, you know. So it doesn't make any sense. So that's yeah. There you go. But I have much weirder stories. But um, those are my UFO stories, which are okay. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm not like I'm not locked into the UFO thing at all these days. But oh, that, no, no, so no, I no. I was in a this would have been around 2017, I bet 16, 17. I was in Montreal. I was speaking at a UFO conference um, that was at the uh, uh, the co college campus downtown. Uh, uh, McGill. Not McG It wasn't McGill. It was the it was the like the state school, Montreal, or or Quebec College um, or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but so we had sure a, we were exactly. in a hotel and it was right downtown. It felt like it was downtown. It was a big tall hotel and and we had this great view of Mount Royal. So we like had a view of Mount Royal. I was with my partner at the time, Andrea, came with me and I was living in upstate New York. So it was an easy drive to get there. It was like less than two hours from from where we were. We were right on the Canadian border in upstate New York. And mm -hmm. um, so uh, and I we got back from the conference and it was the last day and we all went out for every all the speakers. And there was a big crowded restaurant and it was really great. And uh, we got back to the hotel room and it was kind of late and and i was it had been a long day and i just kind of laid down on the bed and just went whoo and then i heard andrea andrea villiers who's got a very french name mm -hmm. so she was looking out the window at mont royal and she said oh, look and then by the time i sat up it was gone but she watched a pretty close to what you're describing i'm pretty sure it was an orange orb hovering or moving through the sky moving towards the the peak and then it just went click and pop disappeared so really uh and she and i have had a lot of experiences that that was as for well, like and i gotta say i was just like completely like yeah 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 I'm like like mm -hmm. like is it worth sitting up so i can see this like it was like oh, oh i gotta <laughs> sit up and so i can see a ufo and i did but there was by that time it was gone um mm. and then there was a guy at the conference he was he was not a speaker his name is john i, I have to look up his last name he lives in montreal uh he's he's uh He's originally American, and um, but uh, he has a powerful, amazing story. I think from the early seventies. Oh, okay. That he had on Mount Royal, and it doesn't oh. play out like a UFO experience. It plays out like a like a contact experience with a guardian angel or like a like a oh mythic being it's really and i can't remember the story off the top of my head but i was riveted when he was telling me that so i heard that story about my royale went back to the hotel room he told me that at dinner time went back to the hotel room and then saw ufo or my partner andrea who also heard the story saw ufo over mount royale after hearing a story about <laughs> essentially a ufo experience on mount royale so wow and now we talked i talked to you and there that's like that's so that's that's three that 
that I know of. So I'm sure there's more. So. Well, there was a big one uh, that's very well known over uh, right downtown. Uh, and, you know, there was uh, 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 even articles in the, in the journals and uh, police report and uh, stuff like that. And I think it was in the early 90s or something. Um, so yeah, apparently they're, they come here too, you know, like, um, they are coming everywhere. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always like, ah, uh, you're in the middle of city, you know, like you're not going to see UFOs actually like, I'm not seeing, uh, owls either. <laughs> you know, I, if, if there was an owl, like in, in my window right there, like I'd be as freaked out as I would be if there was, a, if I saw a UFO, if not more, you know? Because it it wouldn't make sense that there would be an owl here, you know. Well, there's certainly owls so, there. If there are, there's there's certainly owls. They owls can be in urban areas. They eat rodents, and they're yeah. just like hawks, and they they just hunt at night. So you tend not to see them. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, so yeah, what you're telling me is like that's so so um, you've had a lot of powerful, highly charged experiences in your life. Yes, and you said uh, that word that I I, I only um, that expression uh, highly charged human experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only uh, noticed today that you uh, you used that expression. I've been using uh, the term uh, mysticism uh, because I didn't really know. And uh, actually, starting from uh, like the what it said in in the in the French dictionary, you know that basically. Uh, or mystics, like a mystic is someone who uh, puts um, uh, importance and lives in accordance to a connection with God, like mm-hmm. however you want to put, you know. So I'm like, yeah, that's pretty broad and that's a satisfying term, you know. So if that's it, well, I'm a mystic, you know, <laughs> like for sure. Like I don't, but if it, because I think it has, um, Sorry, I'm going going on a tangent here a bit, uh, but um, it has this connection with uh, either the occult or, um, um, you know, like esoterica or, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with that. Like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not necessarily a square, you know. So a mystic is not necessarily an occultist, but sometimes occultists are mystics also, mm-hmm. uh, and so on, you know. But you're, the highly, highly charged human experience is, for me, defines very well, you know, like the kind of life I've been living and the kind of life that uh, I guess more and more people nowadays are going to be experiencing, you know. Um, so go ahead. Oh, I think that, I think that people have always been experiencing this though. We have had like a, um, just out of sheer politeness or societal norms, we have been told to shut that off. So, Mm. and I, and honestly, I think it's YouTube. I think it's the internet. I think it's the way we communicate. I think once one person tells a mystical story or a, or a paranormal story around the dinner table, then the other person said, well, he told his story. I can tell my story. And I think yeah. that has collectively been happening to society. And it seems to have its energy all its own, where mm-hmm. by talking about it, by being open to it, 
it invites a little more in. So I don't want to, like, I could look at this any number of ways, but I certainly feel like society's changed in the last 20 years. And and it's accelerating, it feels like. And yeah. um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's something I've certainly recognized. What I've also recognized is, like, people who come forward with their UFO experiences, and UFO experience you turn the clock back 20 years by if you said you saw a ufo that was how comedians would say this person's crazy he believes in ufos <laughs> that's crazy yeah. so mm-hmm. so if you had said you had a ufo experience you would essentially be calling yourself crazy to the to the to the to the majority or let's say a goodly percentage of the people that has yeah. changed where i think you can mm-hmm. get away with telling these stories and uh, i mean it's and i i know just what it means to be too forceful in my like i was a little i was a little forceful in the way i approached this stuff or let's say what's the word what's the right word i was like i was not at peace with the experiences at a certain Mm -hmm. chapter between about 2006 to 2013 and my the way i described the events came out i was a little bit of a zealot and and i'm i'm still a zealot but i'm much more calm about it these days so that's uh again that's what i why i wanted to reach out to you because also this uh you've you've described uh i'm maybe that's the what you you meant by the that time span that you mentioned like almost like kind of wondering if you're crazy or mm-hmm, maybe you mm-hmm. even were a bit crazy and i'm totally. not saying that in a dis- any kind of disparaging way because i've been through that and i don't know if i'll ever go through that again you know i i don't think so like because i feel more grounded and more uh um i have a bit more um con- not control control seems very harsh of a word but more control over my life and also uh you know like those those yeah, those crazy <laughs> experiences. Um, they're they they break the mold, you know. So for sure, like you, when they they happen and wh- whatever uh, shape it takes, I think whatever if it's a UFO experience or uh, um, for me it was more in mm, dreams and meditation experiences and uh, uh, wild synchronicities you know uh yeah you kind of see the floor just crumble under your feet and you're like okay what is what is real you know and so yeah i'm sorry i'm 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 rambling and i have a purring cat oh i know i saw the cat the cat is dark in your dark room (laughs) i saw the big tail there i see its head so yeah so it's funny i have this microphone with a little fuzzy i call it a russian hat but uh it, uh, everyone, when I do it just like this, they're like, oh, what's your cat's name? And I'm like, oh, that's my microphone. So, um. Yeah, uh, this this little guy is really, um, he's really affectionate. And, um, but usually it's it lasts for about three to four minutes and then I let him go and, it, and we're done. So, okay. I live in a house with a bunch of cats and, and they're, they're not that affectionate to me. So uh, they're super <laughs> nice. But anyway, but, um, oh, so yes, we are. 
Here, let me tell the story that, that I, I mean, you may have heard me tell the story on other podcasts, but, it, but there's a couple stories that I like telling because they're quick to tell. And then they tell a lot about the, about the, the issues. So yep. this doesn't have any UFOs in it. The guy, he's lives in, um, he's got an apple orchard out his backyard. So, mm. so his family runs an orchard and, and he goes back to the back of the orchard to meditate. And it's right up against the, it's in the Northeast. He gets right up against the forest. So he's meditating in the forest and, um, and as his, his eyes are closed, he's meditating. From the forest, he hears this screeching noise, this awful, terrible noise. This awful noise of like screeching and this harsh cries. And it scares him. He said it made the hair on the back of his neck go up. And he said, I got to get out of here. And he was, but he said, no, 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 I have to face this. He was scared, but he said, I have to face this. So he went into mm-hmm. the forest and he found it very quickly. There was an owl on a branch and the owl was looking right at him. And it was a barred owl very common. That's one of the bigger owls in the East Coast. And they have a really loud, booming voice. So this thing is squawk, squawk, squawk. It's like screeching, screeching, screeching right at him. It's like, it's looking right at him. He's looking right at it. And, and they, they, and he, he said like, it felt like it was angry at me. (laughs) And then the owl flew off and he went back to his family. So he goes to his family Mm -hmm. and it's dinner time. And his wife, he says, you know, honey, like I saw the, I saw the, um, I saw this owl in the woods and I was meditating. I saw this owl and it was screeching. It was looking right at me. And I think it was angry at me. It was like chewing me out. That's what he said. It was chewing me out. And then, and then the owl was gone and she was like, oh, that's nice, honey. Um, set the table. She said, oh, she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand mm-hmm. how powerful it was. So he tells his kids like, oh, I saw this owl and it was squeeching. And they were like, dad. So they didn't get it either. <laughs> so after dinner, he gets his camera and he walks into the woods and he sells it aloud. He said, my family doesn't believe me. I need a picture. And this owl mm-hmm. comes in, lands in a branch. He gets a picture and all flies off. And, and I asked, what were you meditating on? What was your meditation? What was your intention? He said, oh, I was meditating on if there was a God. <laughs> Now, it's funny because I wish I could look this up. I should have this ready to go because what he said was much more poetic than, is there a God? But, mm-hmm. but he was, and I've since been in communication with him. He, um, he's been going through shamanic, he's doing shamanic work these days. He's got a shamanic practice, so, mm-hmm. which does not surprise me. And so there's a story that plays out like a dream. Here, I'll tell you one more. This is a very similar story. They almost bookend a little bit, these two stories. No UFO in this story either. Young Native American or First Nation uh, member, and he is in part of the Huron tribe, and they have a reservation. It's a very small reservation. I grew up in Michigan, which is shaped like this. Might be like this for you. But it was like right here. It was like this little spot where it doesn't look like much on the map. It's like a little mm-hmm. rectangle. And... And I, and I didn't know, I grew up in Michigan and didn't know it was there. So he says, I was living on the Huron reservation and there was a, and I had a kite. I was a 12 year old boy. I had a kite and I was flying this kite. I love this kite. And, and the ball of string, I was holding the ball of string and the kite get pulled by a strong wind and the, the string got pulled out of my hand and the whole kite and the string flew off into, and, and went out of the meadow, out into the forest. So he got his friend. He said, I love that kite. I want to find that kite. So they went and walked through the forest and walked through the forest. And then they saw the kite in the top of a tree. 
and they walked to the base of the tree, and at the base of the tree was an owl that was all wrapped up in the string. <laughs> yeah. And it would have died. <laughs> so so they get an, an adult, and they cut the owl free. And if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. the owl was injured, and it, they nursed it back to health, and the owl was released. Wow. And I heard this story, and I said, were you a shaman? Are you a shaman? <laughs> And, and he says, uh, in a word, yes. Now, the reason I asked that question, are you a shaman, should tell you the kinds of stories I'm getting. Right? Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. And that story, if you, if, if you were a Jungian analyst and, you had, and your client came in and they, they laid on the couch or whatever, they sat in the chair, laid on the couch, and you were taking notes and you were having your conversation, you're, you're, you're uh, going through Jungian analysis... And a person said, here's my dream. Here's last night's dream. Mm-hmm. I was flying a kite, and the kite got pulled out of my hand, and the string and the kite went into the forest, and it captured an owl. Like, wow. Like, that's dream language. Wow, there's plenty yeah. there to, like, talk about in a dream. Didn't happen in a dream. Happened in a person's real life. And I, without skipping a beat, said, this guy's a shaman. This is the kind of thing shamans tell. This is a shaman story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... No UFOs in either of those accounts, but, and those are actually what I call like very subtle stories. I said this earlier, people contact me and they said, I had this owl experience. Like, I don't know who to tell. I don't know what to make of it. And they tell me the story. And I say, I have not heard that story, but I have heard so many with the flavor and mood of that story. Exactly. The same tone, the same tenor, the same flavor. And I'm sure someone like researching fairies in ireland would have would know that flavor of a story Mm -hmm. like oh i haven't heard that fairy story exactly but i've heard many with that flavor and mood so in the in the and so there's something palpable that i can recognize i i'm people say do you think you're tricked do you think people trick you this (laughs) and i and so i thought about it i guess they could i mean all they do Mm -hmm. i'm just a lot of it is just reading emails and like going back and forth with people but sure i'd be tricked and then I thought, I thought to myself, there was a guy in my book, The Messengers. His name is Joe. And, and we corresponded for a while. And he had kind of a funny email. Like, I think he created this email just to reach me. And then there came a day I tried to get a hold of him, and his email didn't work anymore. That's the only way we had communicated. His story was already in the book. Like, I told his story. Couldn't get a hold of him. Mm-hmm. No way to get a hold of him. So the person said, hey, do you, have, do you think you're tricked? I said, I could be. And then I had the thought... Oh. That guy, Joe, he could have tricked me. It was in my head, a thought. I never spoke it out loud, never talked about it on the podcast, had this thought in my head. It would A day later is probably incorrect. But within a few days, this guy, Joe, gets back to me and said, hey, this is Joe from your book. I just really want to say, I am so grateful you put my story in the book. It's really an honor. It really means a lot to me. So wow. that's same as the, the spiritual awakening thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm guessing you know just what I'm talking about. Oh, clearly. Okay, I'm to have that <laughs> kind of like, oh, like what about that? And then whoop, it's confirmed instantly, sometimes simultaneously. Uh huh. I mean, uh, for me, this, uh, this part, like this being tricked part, is, um, it's not really an issue anymore because uh, I'm constantly uh, thinking if I'm tricking, trying to trick, trick myself. Anyways, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so and um, in the end, it doesn't 
I don't know if you, you're going to jive with this, but to me, it doesn't really matter, you know? Like, even if someone has the wildest uh, UFO, owl, coyote story or whatever, but doesn't, like, grow from it in any way, or, you know, it's, and it's kind of entertainment in a way, and they, they just... You know, it doesn't, like... That's not what's important, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes, well, I know for me, like, um, uh, synchronicity is, is a big thing, you know? Like, I've even earned a nickname from some friends because uh, an old roommate who lived, like, with me, and we worked together, so he knew a lot about my life, and he, he gave me a nickname, uh, uh that had to do with that, the fact that I, I'm always surrounded with crazy synchronicities. Um, and after a while, for me, I realized it was kind of a, kind of a language more than mm -hmm. just someone or like an external entity or trying to tell you something or life that wants to put you in the right way. What is right? You know, I'm a... I sometimes say jokingly that I'm a recovering non-dualist, so um, I have trouble with that right, right and wrong. You know, it's a very subtle thing. So what does that mean? Um, anyways, uh, what I mean to say is that language has um, a distinct feel, and I'm guessing it, it relates to what you're uh, recounting uh, and sometimes I have mind-blowing uh, I'll say coincidences that I know that they're not that meaningful they're, ju they're just cr like crazy and I'm used to those so and well sometimes I have them and I know there's something behind it or whatever but sometimes also it's kind of a slight thing just a little thing but I know it's meaningful, you know, even though like, and I'm going to tell anyone and they're going to say, why are you even talk, talk, thinking about that? You know, like it doesn't, it's not important. It's, it doesn't mean anything, but I, I, you know, I feel it, you know? So I guess, um, it actually takes me to an, a question I want to ask because it's so funny. I haven't, I barely looked at, at my questions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I don't want to steer too much away from the, 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 yeah, the crux of the, this highly charged human experience thing, you know, that's what I, I try to make this show about, you know, um, so understanding what's happening with all those crazy experiences and, um, like kind of studying in my own life, what happened, what happens there i see a, a uh, and you've mentioned that like the relation between the dr language of dreams and the language of of um synchronicities and all those like you know like for you well you're known as the uh, the owl guy but if i had to publish a book i would be the rose guy because i have i've had crazy uh stuff happen with the image of the of the rose you know so I don't know if you, what what you think about that, but uh, 
it it feels like the the numinous i'll say it like that presents itself with the language that's already present in our psyche uh it sounds almost too normal to say but it's a very important thing to understand i think i agree i agree and and um i spoke to a to a researcher <clears throat> he wrote a book called Synchronicity. That's the title of the book, Synchronicity. His name is Dr. Kirby Surprise. And I contacted him when I was working on the first book. Uh, I was having all kinds of synchronicities because I was reading his book. And and so Dr. Yep. Surprise um, is a clinician. He's a psychologist, I think. I can't remember his actual title. And um, and I basically reached, reached out to him. And I, this was actually in, the, in that chapter like where i was like eh, kind of pretty highly charged and kind of going a little crazy <laughs> and i'm like i am researching ufos and owls and i'm having so many ufo and owl synchronicities it's making me crazy and he said you are putting a lot of energy into i think he's the one who said highly charged that's i think i stole that line from him um you're putting a lot of energy into these highly charged archetypes the owl is a powerful mythic animal the UFO is a powerfully, heavily laden pop culture symbol. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're putting that energy into those, the universe is reflecting that back. He said something that I love. He said, we are all just parakeets in the cage, pecking at the mirror, not realizing it's our own reflection." So like, so I am generating exactly the synchronicities that are going to serve me. And what I have found is, and this is not, this is a, this is a loose pattern. Like when I was all frantic, I was getting frantic synchronicities. Like the synchronicities were so overwhelming. They were a little too much. They were crazy making. Mm -hmm. And then I had in, at a certain point, I had an experience that was just like, oh, this is real. Like I was doubting. I was full of doubts. I was like, this can't be real. Can't be happening. It's too much. Society, science, my junior high school, you know, science teacher would say this cannot happen, but it was happening. And there came a point when I just gave up and said, yes, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And after that, I was still having just as many synchronicities, but they, 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 they presented them, they presented themselves in a, in a calmer way. So I have, it's very common doing this kind of work where I will meet people and I can see they're all amped up. Oh my God, I'm having these experiences. I don't know what to do. I'm going crazy. <laughs> like my wife can't talk to my wife about it. I feel like every time I go out the door, um, I talked to a guy, well, was a great guy, super nice guy. And he was having all these owl experiences and he got to a job and, and he was doing um, like pest control work where they would like, you know, boast like, you know, hornet's nests and termites and things like that mm -hmm. and someone said hey can you come get this owl like we have an owl like that won't leave our porch and he's like uh, okay so he, he took this owl put it in a cage and had an owl at his house so he had an owl at his house and he'd go talk to this owl and eventually the owl got better and and it was injured somehow or it seemed to be sick and it eventually got better and he released it but like like he was having all these owl experiences he gets called to he had his own owl for a while like there are not many people who can say that. So, um, so that somehow the universe is reflecting back. And I love that quote. Like we are all just parakeets in the cage, 
mm-hmm. pecking at the mirror, not realizing it's our own ref- reflection. So we're we're like, oh, it's this UFO owl thing. Tick, 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 tick. It's this thing, and then it just it's you 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 get it right back. Yep, makes sense. I mean, uh, uh, I I don't know how how big you are on uh, astrology, mm-hmm. but um, like for me, like I I. I I'm interested. I don't know that much about it, but I've had a uh, uh, very mind-blowing, very reality-shaking uh, experiences with uh, just me having my my natal chart done. You know, so I've been uh, <laughs> researching is a big word, but <laughs> well, I've been researching in my own life. What what does why is it that this person who doesn't know me basically like can tell what my life has been in such intricate details like like this like just by you know so um by kind of meditating on that like uh, it feels like we're all built on uh, on different uh sets of archetypes or archetype or principles like i don't know exactly how to put it because um the term archetype is like i'm gonna get um emails from angry Jungians if I use it oh I love it good good. bring it on bring it on (laughs) but so yeah so that mirror is not going to project the same thing for everyone for sure you know so yeah that it's 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 uh I don't know exactly how to put it because I think the new this this kind of experience like not only uh, can bring out the the reality eventually the reality of this mirror this mirror like reality, but also uh, make you aware of what is not the mirror, and so like the the infinite and the uh, nothingness and the great void, and that's when you get into that. I think that's. Uh, <laughs> that can drive someone crazy pretty much <laughs> i'm looking up at you you mentioned the archetype and i don't i this is a, there's a quote here I'm, it's in my book i got the book right on the table i'm going to look this up here um there was a woman named jacqueline smith who wrote a book about um owl or excuse me um animal channeling she would channel the spirits of owls excuse me, of animals. And one of them was an owl. And it was a really interesting thing. It was actually, it was actually really complicated. Some like the dog and the butterfly would tell these really simple stories. Oh my gosh, the owl was like giving her this like cosmic message that I couldn't follow. It was, you know, so, you know, we are from the dimension beyond the eighth dimension. And it was like, so, but she also said something, I got to look this up here. Uh, there's a little quote she said about um, archetypes. Okay, so I'm I, I, I'm glad I, rec- I, I there's a handful of people when I was doing the research that I recorded, and I'm so glad I did. So I was talking to Jacqueline because I wanted to hear her story about channeling the owl. So I reached mm-hmm. out to her and said, can we talk? And she got back to me, and we, so we were talking on the phone. And then I said, what are you working on these days? And she said, oh, I'm working on my, bio- my, my memoir. And it's like, oh, what's your memoir about? And she said, oh, my UFO experiences. I didn't know that at all. It didn't surprise me. And then we're talking, and we're going back and forth. And she's got this really lovely presence about her. And I, and I say, um, hey, hey, like, uh, the next time you see that owl, you ask for me. Like, what's up with the, what's up with the UFOs? 
Mm-hmm. And we talk for a little bit and, and, and then she says, she starts talking in this really halting way, like kind of, kind of her voice changes completely. And mm-hmm. she even says under her breath, you can hear her say words, words, like she's struggling, like, oh, words don't even work. And she said, she said, so I look at it in this sense. She's talking about the owl. I'm reading right from my book. So I look at it in this sense. They are using owl symbol. They are using the owl symbolically, but the owl is still the owl frequency to mirror us in an archetypal sense. Because humans think of owls in a certain way, right? There is an archetypal image that is mirrored to our. There is an archetypal image that is mirrored to the humans that goes in on a subconscious level and connects with the human's genetic memory bank. Because humans think with symbols, they are touching us on that they are touching us on that level. And it goes back to the beginning of humankind and how we see owls. Not only here, but in the soul connections in other star systems. And I was like were you channeling? Oh. And she said, yeah. So, so that little definition, right? So it goes into a subconscious level, goes right back to the origins of humanity. That's as good a definition of, of, of archetype as you can get. And so I do this thing where I, I ask people, what do you, how would you define an archetype? Everyone's got a def- different definition. So, mm-hmm. so no one has the same archetype in the dictionary means like quintessential or, or like, um, like, um, a standard, right? So if you like, it's an archetypal cowboy movie. It's like, it means it's like the standard cowboy movie. So it has a lot of meanings. But in that case, when she said that, I had been in that kind of crazy making mess of, of trying to make sense of the experiences in my life. And when she, and especially with the owl research that I was doing, like it was like the puzzle was a mess, right? So jigsaw puzzle, all the pieces were on the table. I couldn't make sense of it. When she said, owls are an archetype. It was like the whole puzzle went whoosh, click and all clicked mm-hmm. together. And I could see it. It's like, oh, oh, I see it. The owls are an archetype. This make that, that like everything thing got cleaner in the way I could frame it in my own mind. It, I don't know whether it made it true, but for me, I had a way in to yeah. try to, to try to confront this mystery of the owl. Yeah. And the owl is an archetype. The owl is something we all understand within us at a subconscious mm-hmm. level. As I said before, people call me up or write me letters and say, hey, I saw this owl on the fence. It's really beautiful. I had a, wow, was it powerful. And they speak to, they speak about it in this kind of, with this majesty that, that you don't get with any other animal or many animals, you know, like they were saying, it was an honor to have this owl on my fence post in the backyard. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. say that about a robin or a bunny rabbit or something like that, but you, you sure say it about an owl. And I, that is very consistent in, in the letters I get. So my sense is that, oh, they're, they're tapping into the archetypal energy of a yeah. bird that, I mean, it's, it's just a bird, but mm-hmm. they're tapping into that archetypal energy that we, all of us have somewhere within us. So that's my yep. sense of it. Love it. Um, that said, um, I'm, I have a doozy for you. <laughs> Great. Um, cause, um, uh, you've said, you've said they, a lot in that last little section there that uh, they you know like they are using the um, oh yeah 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 you know 
Um, and it's 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 interesting because um, my three first interviews. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, the cat. It's the first time the cat. Like you don't see it, but he's like like he really wants to come on my lap right now. <laughs> oh, let him up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, he's gone now, but. Um, Maybe it's because I'm alone at home now. Anyways, I'm sorry about that. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the doozy. Oh, them, them. Them, yeah, exactly. So, okay. Um, in my first... I'm sorry. In three of my first interviews, I... Um, uh, the second interview was um, with Ian Duncan, who's a Taoist priest. But who's uh, this? Something maybe people don't know that much uh, about Taoism. But there's a, um, uh, in a certain way, there's a lot of shamanic work in Taoism, and and uh, Taoist magic is a thing, and uh, so, and even channeling actually. So channeling of uh, uh, ascended masters or immortals, I, I guess I, they would. I'm not a Taoist, so I'm sorry if I'm not using the right words. Um, so an experience of them or the other, you know, and then the two, uh, subsequent, uh, interviews were, uh, were with magicians. So a ceremonial magician and especially one, um, Douglas Batchelor, who has the, um, uh, very, pretty, uh, very well-known podcast, very popular podcast about magic called magic. What magic is this? Uh, and he told me about like the um, he's doing uh, 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 what is it? Oh, is it is is it Enochian? Enochian? Anyways, it's mm -hmm. basically it's invoking demons. You know? <laughs> so it doesn't sound like a very good idea. But when you get to know a bit more about it, it's like oh okay, it doesn't have to do with evil or anything like that, and it's just a more complex thing. But anyways, what I mean to say by that is. I've been very curious about how how does the other <laughs> words words <laughs> yeah yeah it's rough <laughs> how the how does the other feel when it comes to will and free will you know <laughs> <laughs> that's a biggie <laughs> so because yeah. you know like I, I have my my experience of the other you know it, it doesn't have to do with um um uh, ufos but uh maybe i'll tell my experience uh some other time or after the show if you want to but uh so It's it's hard for me to know if <laughs> the other has really like the same kind of free will. It, bear with me. Um, <laughs> that we have, mm -hmm. and um, a way that I I, I I I put it in one question that I asked. Uh, um, the other magician, Denis Poisson, has a great uh, channel called Foolish Fish. I asked him, do the gods change their minds, you know? Because it feels like they're um, uh, incarnated images of these archetypes, and they don't change. 
you know, like they're the expression of a very specific kind of energy. And this is this can they, they can't change, you know, like blue doesn't become red just because it's tired of being blue, you know. So I don't know what you think about that, like your experience of the other, like, well, I kind of, I, I guess maybe I kind of know what you're going to say, maybe not, because you seem to have an experience of the other that's uh, external to you and your own consciousness in a way, which is something that I... Uh, kind of can say but most of my experiences like i'm not i can't really say that it's not kind of me like me generating this stuff it doesn't feel like it but uh, aside from one or two experiences like mostly i'm like it could be me you know oh that's so mm -hmm. maybe that's oh, yeah. so is like a complex way of generate yeah putting something very simple but any thoughts about that? So you, so free will. Yep. And then you said them. Okay. Oh, just to so finish. Them and free, uh, yeah, oh, go on. I'm sorry. Just it's really quick. Um, because the three times the same the, the same question arose. It was like, well, how do you know you have free will? You know, <laughs> so it got very, very deep, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, so sorry, that was it. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's, um, well, this is one collected thing. So I went, I did a hypnosis session to look at one night that an event that happened in 2013. So five years later in 2018, I went to look to a hypnotherapist that does, she does normal hypnotherapy stuff for like, you know, quitting smoking and, and, and relieving tension and stuff like that. But she also does UFO hypnotherapy stuff. And this is right in the, right out of the thing where everyone says, uh, that's, that's trouble. Don't go, don't do that. There's a lot of people in the UFO field who don't trust the hypnotherapists or don't trust uh -huh. the information that comes out from the hypnotherapist. I'm like, like, I feel like I've exhausted, like, I feel like I really worked hard to go through my own self-exploration. And I was at the point where like, I'm going to do this. I, the night of March 10th, 2013 was the event. Remember I said earlier, like, oh, I had this thing where I was like, oh, this is real. And everything got calmer after that. So it was, wasn't so much that things got calmer, but, but the little voice in my head that said, this can't happen. This can't be real. This can't be true. That voice got shut off. Still had problems, still had a lot of work to do, still researching this stuff, but it was much easier without that ever-present doubt whether it was mm -hmm. real. Then I, I knew it was real after March 10th, 2013. I was sleeping outside under the stars in Southern Utah. So I went to talk to Yvonne Smith, who's in California. Now, I call her up on the phone months ahead of time and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in California. She's, she's in Pasadena, California. And I said, I would like, while I'm there, I would love to do a hypnosis therapy if it's possible. And she said, she, she answers, she says, Mike, what a nice surprise you contacted me. I started your book, The Messengers, this morning. And I called her that same morning. So this is, this, this is the stuff that just is ever present in my life. Now, 
I go to see her the, the night of March 10th, 2013 is this lovely night where I'm sleeping under the stars. I feel like something happened that night. Lots of little anecdotal things connected to that night. I have clear memories of things, but but I something I got a really strong feeling something happened that night. So uh I um I before the session, right? So this is a book, the first book, my first owl book. This is my first owl book. The first owl book had already been written. She had it on her desk. I was already the owl guy. All I did was full-time job, get up in the morning, answer all emails, write owl books, talk on podcasts. I'm the owl guy. So (laughs) I say, when I'm under in this hypnotic state, this vulnerable place, you ask me what's up with the owls. She's like, great, no problem. So we go through this thing. I won't go through the whole thing. It's, you can hear it other places. I've talked about it Mm -hmm. at length. It's, you know, it's, I did an audio book for my third book called Hidden Experience. I tell that story very clearly in that. And so it's my own voice. And I had to speak. I had to like speak my own. I had to act basically and speak my own hypnosis session. So this thing happens. I like freak out. I'm crying. I'm swearing. I'm like, like, (laughs) like, like swearing at the universe, like, and swearing at them basically. So in this, in the thing, so I'm, I'm like, all of a sudden I'm on board a flying saucer and, and I'm, I'm like walking in this hallway. Now, I don't think this really happened. It may have, it doesn't feel like it really happened. It feels like a, like a dream. I, when mm-hmm. I talk about it, I say, oh, this dream that I had. And I was like, well, that wasn't a dream. That was a hypnosis session. So I call it a dream. Dreams can, you can learn lessons from dreams. They can learn lesson from this hypnosis experience, even if it's not real. Mm-hmm. So I'm on board this craft, all of a sudden I'm in a, like, it feels like I'm on trial, but it was like a really tacky conference room with ugly carpeting and plastic folding tables <laughs> and fluorescent light. And it's like, I love it. I'll tell you right now, there is no ugly brown beige carpeting on board a flying saucer. That was something else. That was like a theatrical <laughs> thing in my mind. So I'm standing there in front of this table and there's about eight of these beings at the table. I can't quite see them, but they're kind of fuzzed out, but I sure get the sense that they're the gray aliens with the big bald heads and the big black eyes. And I'm, I'm saying like, why am I here? And they're saying, you volunteered for this. I'm like, what does that mean? And they go, now is the time. And I got so mad. I got so mad at them. Oh, I got so mad at them. And I told this story to a shaman and he was like, man, Hey, Whoa, you lost me at the aliens at the folding table. And then he said, but if you had said there were eight crows at the folding table, I'd be right there with you. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. what's the difference, right? Like, they're both yeah. archetypes. The crow's an archetype. The aliens are an archetype. What if they were like eight leprechauns? Or what if they were like, you know, eight ascended masters or eight glowing balls of light or, or you know, a pantheon of Catholic saints? Or, yeah. It's the I mirror. Mean, uh, yeah, it's, I don't like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm not completely free, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm right there with you. Like, you don't have to, mm-hmm. you don't have to sell me on the raven thing or the crow thing. I'm right there with you. And I said, okay, what would you call them? Like, here's, what's a simpler way to call them? And he said, oh, your guides. Great. Okay. The guides. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, <laughs> so I, <laughs> So all this stuff goes on and I swear and I cry and I'm purging. Oh my God, I'm like purging all these emotions. And I felt great afterwards. So it was like, like, and then at the end, it's the thing is kind of winding down and Yvonne says, and Mike, what is your connection to owls? 
and I don't skip a beat. I just say, the owls aren't important. Like, that comes out of my mouth. That would never, I would never say that, right? The owls are the most important thing. The owls, like, I get up in the morning, it's owls, owls, owls all day long. And that's my focus. That's everything. I'm like, I'm struggling with the mystery of the owls. I say, she asks, what's, what's your relationship with owls? I say, the owls aren't important. And what I'm going to say next just flowed out of my, just flowed out of me in a way that did not sound like the rest of the hypnosis session, right? Hypnosis, you kind of whisper and there's these long pauses. And I didn't have any of that. I just said, the owls aren't important. I am an artist and I understand how people take in a symbol. The owl is the correct, the owl is a symbol on a door. The owl is not important, but it is the correct symbol for the door. We are on this side of the door in a tight, claustrophobic hallway. And on the other side of the door is an infinite vastness. And that's, and I was just like, where did that come from? <laughs> I will also add that you can't see it here, but this is the door. This is my bedroom here. This is the door to the right there that you can't see it at all. But this, that door, I'd been living here about a year. And I was looking at that door and I was like, there is, I got a picture of it in my blog. You can Google it if you want. But there is two classic gray aliens with the big, big eyes yeah. in the grain of the wood. Mm -hmm. Rising out of them, above them, are two great horned owls, like ghostly images rising out of the, like the symbol on a door. Like it's oh, my wow. door. Yeah. Okay. It's right I, there. I could, it's, it's like really right weird. There. I, I heard this story. I saw the picture, but I never, <laughs> I didn't connect it to. I didn't connect yeah. it either. Oh, it was wow. like, it took me, it was like, it was like, so here, so the, so let's go back up. Mm -hmm. Let's go way back. Free will. I uh. had the experience. So, so Yvonne Smith, says what are, what are the why mike why are you so emotional and i'm like scream they want me to play some role i scream it out like it's so i'm just like it's rough to listen to that audio like it's like i'm coming unhinged and i scream mm -hmm. they want me to play some role and then now let's go back to march 10th 2013 that's the night i slipped out under the stars if it's true like i saw a big round building on a hill And I said, I was like sleeping out under the stars, pretty night. And I was like, I said, that building looks just like a flying saucer, a landed flying saucer. And, and I'm like, it can't be, it's got to be a big building. And I rolled over and went back to sleep. No sense of anything. And I woke up and there was a coyote near my head, right? That's an archetypal mm -hmm. animal howling away. I was in, I was in, I was in a part of the country. The landscape is imbued with the with the with the folklore of the locals there, the natives there, and that would be the 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 trickster, right? Mm -hmm. So the coyote is a trickster in their mm -hmm. lore. And then I wake up later, and there's a bright light behind a bush. Okay, there's another archetype, the glowing bush, right? There's a, that's totally a, 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 mm -hmm. a, a right out of the Bible. So, and then. And then I have this weird experience of being on board a craft. Now, that was March 10th, 2013. In about March, it was really, it would be great if it was the next day. It's actually the day after. So less than 48 hours later, boom, I have my confirmation event. I'm like, oh, my word, this is real. It's real. My life gets easier. I didn't realize it until, like, pretty recently. I, 
I started the book, The Messengers. I started writing the book two days after the event under the stars. Like I like, <laughs> so if I was on board that craft and Yvonne's hypnotherapy session is presenting accurate information, which I don't think it is necessarily. She asked, what do they want? And I screamed, they want me to play some role. 48 hours later, I started writing the book that has come to define my life. This big fat book about owls and UFOs. <laughs> now, so the implication is they told me to write that book or they commanded me. They zapped me with their UFO ray gun or whatever it might have been. And then I was like, I was like forced to write that book, whether I wanted to or not. And I started writing it. It was hard work to write it. And I say in the book, I say it so clearly multiple times in the book. I say, I am writing this. If Here's what I say. Like I say, it feels like I can't know. I can't know what's for certain. I say, it mm -hmm. feels like I, this book, like I am writing this book. The, the information for this book is coming from an outside source. Like my motivation to write this book is, is coming from an outside source. That's how it feels. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that that this these whole set of events that happened, I couldn't put it together to like seven or eight years later. Mm -hmm. Probably less, probably five or six years later, more like six or seven years later. I couldn't put all these little little like wait a minute, you put that on the calendar like this, like this, like this. I I had the experience. I I write the book and like I was like I was. So do I have free will? The implication is, in that story, is that this thing emerged. It takes, it's, a, it's a mess to go into the whole thing, because it's. but that I existed on another planet. I don't think this is true. I mean, I look just like my dad, right? <laughs> I'm me. Yeah. And But I existed on some other planet, in some other identity. Some identity was manifested within me when i incarnated in this in this person me mm -hmm. and i right from the beginning they told me or i volunteered in that other realm whatever whatever i am of a gray alien on a glowing ball of light i i volunteered i'm going to go to earth and be mike cleland and i'm going to i'm going to play a role mm -hmm. and then this this stuff starts happening it Yes. Do I, do I have free will? I like to think I do. At the same time, I'm like, like, there's a million things I could be doing. I would have, I, let me tell you, I would drive a much nicer car if I did anything else <laughs> except wrote all books. So, uh, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. So. Oh, I mean, I'm just basically, uh, yeah, it's about <laughs> that show. For me, it's about collecting those experiences, you know, like, uh, I'm more interested in 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 what you, you just uh, told us than uh, you know just r reading some I don't know metaphysical theories or you know because it's 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 lived and uh, to me well I I can't remember if it was before the show or during but uh, it, yeah that notion of is it real it it's it's kind of secondary because it, it has an impact whether it has a f um, it's it's it has a physical reality or not, you know, and uh, 
where did I want to go with that? Because there's a like ten million things that I could say. Oh, right it's now. it's a it it's it's <laughs> it's that door, right? So yeah. the, the, if so, people say like if I, at the end of the day, like what am I trying to do? Right. So I don't want to try to prove anything. I'm not trying to say mm. like, oh, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm not saying I have these these answers. I don't have any answers. I have like I'm not a mystic. I don't have any answers. So, but I can say that uh, <laughs> that what I want to. Like when I talk on a stage, like I give these presentations, like I'm, I, I'm pretty good at it. I got, I figure it all out and I was a teacher for a while. So I'm really good at like, oh, I'm going to make my point this way. And I, so I don't care if anyone believes my experience, mm-hmm. I'll tell some stories, not some stories are my own, some stories are other people's. And, but I, what I want at the end of the day, what I want is that the people who read my book, I don't care if they ever see an owl. I don't care if they believe in UFOs or fairies or space angels or or guardian angels or whatever you want to call them guides what i want them to be open to is that there is a deeper richer reality that is playing out parallel to our reality it's intertwined with our reality somehow it's influencing us perhaps we can influence the reality but it can certainly influence us yeah so i want people to be aware of that Playful interaction, synchronicity to me feels like it's part of that that overlap. Yeah, I think that that let's say the UFO occupants live in that other realm, but as so do the fairies, so does Bigfoot, so does our dreams, light beings, <laughs> the light <laughs> beings, the yeah, uh-huh. the ravens, you know, whatever. Yeah, so the raven spirit. Yeah, so so uh, my goal is to. Just to have people be aware of that. There's you can pray, you can you can light a candle. There's all the ways to to sort of to try to try to tap into that other realm. But I just want to make sure that people know that that other realm exists. I think my mm-hmm. life my life has been much richer. Someone asked me one time, like, "Oh, since you've been doing this work, how's your life changed?" That's a good question. And I was at a conference. I had to think, and I said, "I now live in a magical universe." <laughs> yeah which I didn't before this thing. Part of the process was was about six or seven years where I thought I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. But I now live in a magical universe. And we all do. We have to just be aware of it. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, and, I mean, sometimes when I, I think about that free will thing, uh, recently I've been thinking, well, I think we have... It's kind of a boring answer. We... We kind of have free will, you know, you can't change everything. You can yeah. change a little, which seems like it's, it seems too boring to be true, but, <laughs> and also I've been thinking, well, free will is not necessarily a given as in, I think we inherently all have it, but some people don't know that they do and they just live their lives very mechanically you know um and not to be disparaging to anyone's experience of life and it's not a black or white thing i mean Mm -hmm. uh we 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 all have um times when we're kind of on the autopilot you know Mm -hmm. and we get disconnected from this magic of the uh, this inherent magic of the universe you know um but yeah eventually i think yeah um Maybe I have a a quick story I can tell. It's 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 sure. it's, it's weird because I actually 
that will be the second story. Uh, and those are the two that I never thought I would tell anyone because they're not so important to me. But, well, I guess they are in some ways. But anyways, so about that is it real thing, you know. Um, one day, I was still pretty new to the UFO subject. And I was interested in, like, pretty wild stuff, you know, like just curious of, you know, and again, not judging of anyone's belief, but um, I was starting to get out of the Pleiadians and the, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't relate truly with that, but I was still watching like shows on Gaia and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, Gaia TV for people who don't know what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. Go check it out. Again, no judgment. Um, so I was wa uh, watching this thing about, I don't, I, I can't remember what kind of beings it was, but they were blue. Okay. They had blue skin. And I remember painting myself when I was a kid, like always with blue skin for some reason. I love the color blue. Um, even the, you can't really tell, but even the walls back there are blue and I'm wearing blue and, you know, I love blue. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching that show and then the phone rings and it's my mom. And she says, I have something very strange to tell you about. That's something that just happened. And my, my mom's a bit new agey and stuff so i'm always like oh yeah what it is you know like what was she gonna tell me now <laughs> you know um it's kind of a joke between uh she and i so she says okay i'm at the uh hairdresser and she notices that i'm a bit worried and she says what's going on and uh my mom says i'm a bit worried about my my son because yeah i've been like fortunately knocking on wood i've been uh, uh dealing with depression much better in the last five years of my life but it used to be a huge issue you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah so she said i'm a bit worried about my son and then the um, the hairdresser who's apparently kind of a, a bit of a psychic puts her her hand on my mom's shoulder and the way that my mom uh, recounts the story, she says, I barely had the time to finish my sentence. And she said, it's your son's first experience on this planet, you know. And again, it's kind of like your, your, your craft, like being in the craft story you don't know if you you really were there or and so i don't know if that's true but and I've, even at that time like hearing a story like that like I'd, I'd be skeptical like right off the bat because i had considered it and i i i was slowly co coming to the notion that uh i'm not sure if that makes much sense or if it's huge um usable information or whatever so my reaction really surprised me when she says that she said that because i started to cry like instantly because mm -hmm. i thought oh it makes so much sense 
you know, like how hard this life has been, you know, like, and first, like, wow. I mean, I'm living in Montreal, like in a nice neighborhood. I have this, the, those guitars and stuff like that. People have it much harder than me. Like, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, we have a very good examples of that. Uh, but f- like adjusting to this place, you know, and this, and the lack, especially the lack of magic, like it's, it's so drab in so many ways and it's so hard to deal with. And it's like the tediousness of having to have a job and feed that body thing that we have, you know, like, but it, it all clicked like, instantly like oh it's my first time i don't know like and i keep saying that and it's it's funny because it's something i don't know if i i said it um in those words in the book but for me kind of the the what's really really helpful for anyone having um those really wild experiences or even just trying to deal with (laughs) reality you know developing this um ability to step outside oneself and kind of like um controlled dissociation you know Mm -hmm. and just look at oneself as if it's not me like it's just it's my it's my avatar in the video game you know and just see what's going on there you know like that and recently and it's funny because it's it's uh, i'm sorry i'm 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 rambling a little but i'm almost no no it's fine it's fine uh in a podcast that i've been interviewed uh for my book and it's an uh on a podcast that just came out and the way that i put it is becoming alien you know like stepping out and looking at my life and even just the whole of human experience and all the wars and all the beauty and all the beautiful and crazy and dumb thing that we do like just look at it as if you're an alien like what's going on there and then know that you're gonna get back in that vehicle and drive it around you know in that Mm -hmm. crazy world you know so i don't even know where i'm going with that but you know uh, i guess my point is that I don't know, and I don't particularly care uh, if it's my first time on this planet and I'm truly a Pleiadian or whatever. I don't care about that stuff. But the way that I felt, you know, at that moment, that was, yeah, that was big. That was big for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything that, people can take out of this experience but i think even young I'm, okay i'm gonna say something a uh, big asterisk there so uh uh Jungians can correct me but i think uh even jung said one day about a woman who thought she was living on the moon and um someone else was speaking with jung about that woman and said yeah that woman believes she lives on the moon and Jung said no she's living on the moon you know and I don't think he meant it literally (laughs) but that's such a better uh frame to view our lives 
through those symbols, I think we can understand ourselves much better if we uh, consider those, yeah, that language of dreams and of synchronicities and Sorry, I went on a bit. <laughs> no, no, it's I understand. I understand. I, but if you've if you've been listening to my talks and I mean, I must have at some point said I've had a long history of clinical depression in my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so I'm very open with it. I talk about it in my books. I talk about it. It's right there. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, so I had an experience where I to tell this, I had a past life hypnotherapy session. 10 years ago, 10 years ago this summer, this upcoming summer, it'll be 10 years. Um, the I was I met this woman at a conference. She was a speaker. I was speaking at a conference in England, and she was a um, did hypno past life hypnotherapy, went into past lives. And and I and, she, and I told her about my life a little bit, and and she's like, you you don't need to go through UFO regression. You need to go through a past life regression. I'm like, great, I'm open to it. And so we went there. My The stated goal was to better understand, or let's say alleviate the, the depression. Mm -hmm. I was under for two and a half hours, three hours. It's recorded. All kinds of stuff came up. But it was like this thing came up, and I don't believe it's true. Like true in quotes, right? Whether it's true yeah. or not, I don't know. Like I don't care. Like I leave it. So in, in what the the more the end of it is, I I sat up in the chair. I was like, I'm cured. I am cured. And it's funny because I still even now it's like I'm in Seattle. It's gray here. Like you kind of go like my mood can go down and it can kind of come back up and I can kind of be late. You know, kind of. But that's like the that kind of gray mood isn't clinical depression. Mm -hmm. It's been cloudy for a bunch of days. It's make, it kind of put me in a gray mood. That's not clinical depression. I know that. So, but I so so I have been depression free for a decade. I had not been able to say that since I was twelve. Now, when I was the first time I remember being depressed was when I was twelve years old in in middle school, and 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 I also have what amounts to a missing time event. Bright light in the sky, missing time event when I was twelve years old. Like, did the, did the aliens make me depressed? Like, I could ask that question. Like, it's right there. I can't, I can't quite parse out which came first, but I can say, I had a missing time event. Was I, did, it, did that make me clinically depressed? My, my mother's side of the family in Denmark, there's clinical depression on her side of the family. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so I'm predisposed to it genetically. But, whew, gets out very murky. I had an experience... The worst I've ever felt, the the darkest time was in the winter of 92, 93, January or February, right around there of 1993, but it was the December of 1992 was, wow, like I'm amazed I'm still here. Like it was bad. Like, wow, was it bad. And I'm suicidal. It's like, I was right there. I didn't do anything, but I was like right at that threshold. Mm-hmm. I had an experience where I wake up in the middle of the night and I look out the window and there's this bright light and there's these beings walking towards the house, like gray aliens walking towards the house. Like this was like the worst. Like I was, and I don't, I never trusted this memory because my, my mind was just so shattered at the time. Mm -hmm. Like I confabulated this yeah. out of like just reading UFO books. I made it up and I'm just such a, my, my brain chemistry is a mess. Mm -hmm. So 
it makes sense that I could confabulate this dream. Didn't feel like a dream, felt like real, real event. Mm-hmm. Since then, so many synchronicities and weird things connect back to that night, but which to me is a form of people, people, people have called me on this, but to, for me, I take that seriously when the synchronicities are all knotted up with an event. Now, um, under hypnosis, I looked at this under hypnosis, almost nothing came up. It was exactly the same memory that I had consciously, except there was a feeling that I was palpable. I just felt it. And I probably felt it in real life, but just couldn't articulate it. That the, I looked out the window there were five beings walking towards the house. They're bright, backlit by a bright light. Would be great if the bright light was the size of a flying saucer. It was like small, like a washing machine size. And and I watched them for maybe twenty seconds, and then I heard a voice in my said, my head say, "Oh yes, they're here. Now is the time to put your head on the pillow and shut down." And psh, I didn't wake up till the next morning. I dismissed it all as a dream. Never went out to see if there were footprints in the snow. The under the with a hypnotherapist for the clinical for the for the past life, the story emerged, and it was interesting because I cried, I purged, really? it felt great wow. afterwards. Yeah. So that, but she asked about that, like she asked about what about the like the experience with the beings, and I said, oh, and so what about the experience when you were when you were twelve years old? No, excuse me, when I was thirty. When I was thirty. Mm-hmm. And why did they show up? And I said, to save me. And to save you from what? And I said, suicide. So that, like, you put it right there in the calendar of my life. That was when I was, had suicidal ideations. I was, I was like, I was right there. And mm-hmm. then to have the be- those beings... Whether they're, they're gray aliens, could have been five ravens, could have been five glowing balls of light, could have been five Catholic saints. But those <laughs> five beings were walking towards the house. And under hypnosis, my sense was, those were my relatives. Like when I said, oh yes, they're here. Mm-hmm. The way it felt was like, it was more like, oh yes, they're here again. Like my relatives were, were like walking up the driveway. So this gets all mixed up. I, it would be, it would be incorrect. Like I cannot say with a straight face, like oh, the aliens like cured my depression, you know, like or saved mm-hmm. me from suicide. I, I'm not going there. Yeah. But myth in the in the timeline of my life, I'm I certainly take that seriously as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I and I can't give it too much credence because I just because I'd only be guessing. I know what I, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so did, did they arrive at that moment to play some role in my life to keep, and that's, that's certainly what came out in the hypnotherapy session. That doesn't necessarily make it true. What I can say, I came out of that hypnotherapy session. I have not been depressed since. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, well, Mike, I kind of have to wrap up. <laughs> I, oh, this has been great. This has been awesome. But uh, wait, I, I, I just, I, 
I think we because I I, I don't want to f- finish on such a intense oh. note. <laughs> so, because you're kind of going uh, towards a, a question that I actually had on my list, like I have, <laughs> I ask none of them basically. But anyways, uh, so would you say that with with all the stories and your personal experience and with all the stories that you've had and i'm guessing some people also have told you their stories like you've had you've known them now maybe for a while now some of them maybe you kept in contact or i'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing would you say that generally even though uh those crazy experiences drive us mad <laughs> would you say that generally it's it has a kind of a positive have a hard time with that word but kind of mm-hmm, a positive mm-hmm. effect on people i get asked this all the time yeah so the question is is are they good or bad right is, is oh no 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 good uh, or bad well uh more of the effect like like in in very uh okay because when i i look at uh, I'm gonna sound like a jerk, but like a UFO people. Maybe yeah, I'm so, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a UFO person myself. I don't know because I, I I like every day I uh, get info on what's going on in the UFO world. So I'm probably a UFO person myself. But it feels like some of them, or I don't, I don't have an idea of how many. Like like. Uh, <laughs> Like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? MYN, uh, like how many people, um, sorry, I'm I'm just going to rewind. And (laughs) so looking at the whole of the people, like, would you say that generally they come out of it like more, more wise and more connected or do a lot of them get stuck in this uh, entertainment kind of mode, like where it's, oh, yeah, man, they've seen this, these crazy, like I've seen this crazy craft one night and then I filmed it, but then it, it's, and it's, it, you don't know, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people seem to get stuck on the surface of the appearance of the, and I, I think it's still there for something, you know, but I'm just curious as to, Does it help? Like, like, does it help us grow? Am I wording that correctly? So I'm not looking at the big picture, right? I'm not looking at the big totality. I'm looking at the little sliver that's connected with owls. That's the thread I'm pulling on. Yeah. Right. So it's the owl thing. So the people I'm interacting with, for the most part, I mean, this is not, this is a, this is oversimplification, but the, but the, my, the energy I'm, I'm pouring into the subject mm-hmm. is, is the owl stuff. And less so UFOs more so highly charged human experience of which a UFO is certainly a UFO sighting certainly qualifies. Mm-hmm. So those people, the easiest word I can use, like it's hard to like say, well, there's not one, but seeker would be the best. That would, that's the one term that seems to work that these people are seekers. We're all seekers all the time. Every one of us in some way, but, yeah. uh, I may have, to, so, When I talk to people, 
I write, I have a clipboard and I write down notes and stuff like that. And then when I talk to him on the, I, and then I, I usually just write Reiki in the corner of the page before I talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't take many notes, just like date, phone number, a couple key things. So if I ever have to refer back, but I write Reiki in the corner and I just wait. So the people who have UFO and owl experiences, I would argue that 50% of them, half the people, I've got thousands of people who have told me the stories. I would say half of them are Reiki healers. Think about that. Yeah, like, tell you wild. what, half the overall population is not Reiki healers. <laughs> and if they're not Reiki healers, they're doing some sort of they're they're doing something. They're like they're doing sound baths or they're doing energy work or they're yeah. uh, they're doing something. Uh, the first the very first Reiki session I ever did. I've been to other Reiki therapists. The very first one, I was living in the in this little town in Idaho. I, I went through this Reiki thing and she like held her hands over me and it was just, she just did it for a few minutes. And then I was like going there because of this, that was in the throes of the, that was a crazy chapter of my life. I was right in the middle of it. And, mm-hmm. and she sat down across from me afterwards and said, you are having a Kundalini awakening. Okay. And we talked for a while and, and I said, Hey, I got to ask a question. Have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? I'm asking the Reiki therapist. Uh-huh. And she says, No. Except for last night. <laughs> and then and then I say, I say, so I tell her, oh, I'm doing this all research, it's making me crazy, it's this and that. And then and then she contacts me that night. And she said, Oh, it happened again this tonight. She was walking, basically walking her dog, and an owl followed them while they were walking the dog. It was same dog, same road, different owl. One was a great horned owl, the next night was a great gray owl. Different owl, uh-huh. same road. Right before my Reiki session, right after my Reiki session. So, like, like I'm like, like that's that to me is kind of weird. So, uh-huh. um, so the the, <laughs> uh, the least. you asked me. So the seeker, I would say that these people are, if they're not doing, sh- so I'm gonna call I'm gonna call Reiki therapy, shaman light, right? So or shaman like, so. Uh-huh. shamanism is just like is just like archetype everyone's got a different definition of what a shaman might be but i would say that in our culture like we don't have the shaman at the edge of the village like we used to mm-hmm. in, a, in a previous chapter of human history but you can get online and google a, or look up a reiki therapist in a second yeah. so we so i i don't know what within the data pool of people who are having owl and UFO experiences, I'll tell you what, those people are thoughtful. They've had spiritual awakenings. They are, they are, they're not the, I mean, they're, they're doing, they're doing the important good work. Mm -hmm. Here, let me tell one story. This woman contacts me and she tells a story. She said she was in her driveway and, and she was on the phone got to tell this one quick because it's kind of complicated she's on the phone she's on the driveway she pulls in and there's an owl in the driveway and she and she gets out of the car and she calls her son out she gets on the phone and she calls her son and says come on out come out right now an owl right here and the owl was on the driveway and it landed in a tree so then the owl comes and touches her head and her scares her son it's like mom are you okay and she's oh, it was so gentle the owl touched her head then 
this is all kind of mixed up in my mind right now, but, but right around this time, just before this, she had been to a baseball game, little league baseball game. And there was just another mother in the neighborhood. She didn't really know her. They're watching the kids are playing. Their two kids are playing baseball. So she the, turns to the lady next to her and is like, how are you, what's going on in your life? And she says, well, it's not good. Like I'm, I need a, I need a new kidney or I'm going to die. And the lady without skipping a beat says, I'll give you mine. And, and the lady says, it doesn't work like that. That's very nice that you does. offered your kidney. Because you have, we have to be compatible. We have to go through blood tests. We have to both see doctors. And she said, I'll go see yeah. a doctor. What do I need to do? So she goes to see a doctor. And the doctor calls her back later and says, is this your sister? And she goes, no. It's like, well, well, like I'm just looking at the blood sample. Like, wow, you are so close. I was going to ask, is this your twin sister? So she, she, she gives up her kidney. And oh, and during this time, after the owl thing, she, she, so this was before giving up the kidney. And after the, so they, they have the, sees the owl in the driveway. And a couple of days later, she goes on a hike and she comes back from the hike. And she says she hikes with her metaphysical friend. And they get back and the sun is setting. And there's these bright structured thing with a bright light goes right over the parking lot. And she said, oh, and then everything in the parking lot turned red. The cars turned red. The sky turned red. The trees turned red. The asphalt turned red. Which I've heard before. <laughs> I've heard it as green, never red, but I've heard everything changes color. So she has an owl and a UFO thing side by side. And then, and then I said, what'd you do? Like, who were you talking with on the phone? Like, so the question I ask is, what was going on leading up to the event? What changed after? So leading up to the event, owl, UFO, like right when she was about to see the owl, who were you talking to with on the phone? So I was talking with my dad. I said, I told my dad, I'm, I'm really going to do this. I'm going to give my kidney away to this lady in the neighborhood. And then afterwards, she gave her kidney away. They're both, how's your health? Great. My health is great. I, this woman's doing great. Do you have any regrets? None at all. Like, why, mm -hmm. did, you, why did you say that to the lady on the, at the baseball game? She said, I have no idea. I just said it, and it felt right, and I never, it never felt wrong. I do not have to ask if this lady is a Reiki healer. Right? Wow, you talk mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. a powerful, selfless form of healing, giving your own kidney away. I don't know if I would do that, but wow. So these, this is the, this is the, this is the mood. Earlier I said, like, I, I can't tell for sure, but I can have a pretty good sense when someone's telling me the real deal, because it has a flavor and mood imbued in the story. This mm -hmm. woman's story is the personification of that flavor and mood. It's got a UFO. It's got an owl. It's got a selfless act. It's got healing. It's, this is, this is the, what I'm getting. So you ask, you know, what, so all I can say, the flavor and mood of these stories is so hopeful for life. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And that these people are seekers. They're, they're, they want to be, if they're not outright healers, like I'm not a healer, I don't have any healing abilities. And then people say like, how many, you know, like all mm -hmm. I can do really is talk to people on the phone and say, you're not alone. I've heard that I've heard not necessarily that story, but many a story like that. People contact me and say, like, am I going crazy? And I say, no, no, you're not alone. So 95% of what they need is just me to say, you are not alone. So mm -hmm. I recognize that I'm providing solace for the, for those people. Absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, those are very healing words for sure. And they're, uh, I mean, Sometimes more power, powerful than any Reiki ses session, you know, yeah. depending on where someone is uh, in their life.
Yeah. Wow, I'm really happy to to finish on that beautiful, inspiring note. I ha actually have one tiny little story to tell. It's really quick. Sure. Because uh, I've never, I'd be, I'll be honest, I've never had uh, an owl uh, uh, experience the, the, myself. The night is young. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen an owl when I was a kid, uh, but it's it was it was didn't didn't have that flavor. <laughs> um, but something did happen while it's it's really like just a funny story, by the way. Um, Something did happen while I was doing research for your uh, for this episode. Um, I was because uh, I was listening to to a bunch of uh, interviews that you, you you gave in the past, and you know some of them they're just audio. So like, I'm not gonna just sit on a chair and look at the wall for <laughs> you know an hour, two hours, whatever. Actually, much more than that because I listened to a lot of them. Um, so I was playing a video game at the same time, and um, so I don't know if people know this game. Uh, it's it's a very popular game called Witcher Three. Um, they made they made a series on Netflix with the the the, the character um, in the last few years. But there's it's basically just a big open world, and there's like the the story is super important in that in that game, and that's why it's. Uh, well known but also there's like you just walk around in that in that uh, on the map and there's like little uh question marks and there's if you go there there's just like a bunch of of um uh monsters and you just you just kill them and so you don't have to think really about what you're doing so i can easily focus on something else you know and i would play like that and sometimes I, i'd stop because you're saying something like that for some reason, like it, it resonates and I just note the question, whatever. So I'm listening to this interview. Can't, can't remember, can't remember which one it was, but right. Cause you're walking around and then when you get to a new area, it's, it's, it, the, the name of the area, um, is written on the screen. So I'm listening to this interview and right when it stopped, I get in front of a little cavern. And it says, Owl Eye Grotto. Owl Eyes Grotto. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right at the end, like, okay, thank you, Mike. Goodbye. Owl Eyes Grotto. So, I mean, like, as I said, like, if I saw uh, an owl in my window, I would freak out because I'm in Montreal. Uh, but that was as close as I it got for me, Mike. <laughs> well so that's to me i'm i'm like totally like owls on lunch boxes owls on like you know billboards like you know we don't live in the forest anymore right so if we had all yeah, lived yeah. back in the forest and we were in our little loincloths and we could we, we'd be seeing owls more often but we don't live there we live in this other mm -hmm. place so we see owls symbolically the owl in the door is a symbol it's not it's just yeah, wood yeah. grain i know it's just wood grain but mm -hmm. it's have you seen the picture? You have seen the picture, right? I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, like, there will be show notes, by the way. So I'll, I'll, when I listen back to the interview, like everything that I can link to, uh, if people go on my website for that episode, they can see all the. So I'll, I'll send. I'll make sure to send you the, the 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 URL for that blog post. Yeah. So. Cool. Cool. Perfect. 
All right. Oh, man, that was so good. It went by so quickly. It's almost two hours. It's my longest yeah. episode yet. Um, I'm getting good at this. I didn't forget this time. Mike, where can people can find you? They can, if you want to, you can Google UFO Owl. I'm the first thing that comes up. <laughs> But the next 30 things underneath that is also me. So you'll find me right away. I have a website, which is mikecleland.com all one word mike cleland c-l-e-l-l-a-n-d if you can't remember that just type in ufo owl that web page is going to come right up from that web page it'll link to books it'll link i hosted a couple podcasts over the years all those podcasts are linked um you got to kind of click through a little bit but it's all linked uh the amazon books uh my all blog some illustration work that i had done oh and then i also want to say was i, I wrote a novel I think I mentioned it here, but I We wrote a novel. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. I've been, I'm like, I'm like, oh, man. but it's been selling really well. The novel is linked on the, on the, on the webpage. The owl, the, that novel is a fictional story about owls and UFO. I never use the word UFO once in the story. Like my, my goal was to tell the story and someone would read it who has no interest in UFOs and wouldn't even know it was a UFO story. And, mm -hmm. and, and it, and it's selling pretty well, but like, oh my word, the reviews on Amazon are really, really humbling people. Like I was trying to do something and people got it. So that's, that's, so that's been the big thing the last six months or so I've been trying to push that forward. So, yeah, um, I'm sorry we didn't, we didn't get into that. Oh no, no, no. Uh, don't worry at all. We get, this was a great interview. Don't worry at all. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, right. I'm not trying to sell anything, but just, you asked how to get a hold of me. And and that out that that um that novel is linked right there too. So I'll cool. There I said enough. So. Well, that's one thing you know. Like uh, I was uh, hearing talking, um, hearing you talk about the the book, and I was very curious to uh, talk about inspiration also with you. So there's a whole bunch of things that we didn't get to address. So if you want to come back on the show, anytime, anytime. And, all right. Yeah. So. Uh, We'll be in touch, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> great. And it was great. Well, Mike, great for me. Good. And say, say goodnight to your cat. I will. <laughs> I won't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Mike. So you've made it to the end of this Hopscotch Chronicles podcast episode, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed doing it. And I thank you so much for your attention, and I hope you, uh, you're benefiting in a way or another from this conversation. So if you'd like to follow my work, whether on this podcast or my uh, personal work, you can go to Twitter or X and follow me at Domi underscore Valet, D-O-M-I underscore Valet. Same username for uh, Instagram, if you prefer that platform. You can also go to the official website for the podcast, which is hopscotchchronicles.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast as well as my personal work, you can do so by subscribing to my Patreon The address is patreon.com slash Dominique Vallée, D-O-M-I-N-I-C Vallée, V-A-L-L-E-E. -E. 
there you'll find video and audio versions of the uh, the episodes without any commercials as well as special episodes on every sunday where i take my sunday afternoon tea with you guys all right thanks again for listening and until next time keep reaching for the light